Welcome to episode 207 of the Various and Sundry Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from our virtual studio on the internet by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is playing Hurt today, John Scott Sloat. I'm, a, I'm like a good 95%. I'm, I'm, I'm back, baby, you know, as, uh, as George Costanza would say. <laughs> Indeed, indeed, yes. Uh, pre-show, we were just talking about the uh, the inability of your household to stay and uh, get and stay healthy recently. Yeah, lingering coughs, headaches. Uh, who knows what causes them? But uh, you know, perhaps it's just um, the holiday sullens. Who who knows? Uh, yeah, but we've we've been struggling the last couple of weeks to be healthy. Well, and then today, as we record on this lovely Monday afternoon, uh, we are, oh, we've been told a small snow apocalypse is on the way, at least for here in Winona Lake, four to eight inches. And yet uh, I'm skeptical that's actually going to happen. Four to eight inches is a pretty big range. Um, it is. Eight inches feels like, four inches feels like, that's a moderate amount of snow, a yeah. moderate, right? Yeah. Eight inches, you dread uh, the shoveling prospect. You know, it's just like, you're you're just like, this is just going to be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like four inches and below, especially when the weather's going to be warmer these next couple of days, mm -hmm. I don't bother shoveling. You just let it melt. Just let it melt. It's fine. It'll be fine. You get to that six to eight though, and you're like, well, I don't know. Maybe get maybe getting the uh, the snowblower out isn't the bad idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I I can't remember if I mentioned this on the pod before, but you have so a snowblower. I do have a snowblower, but it's not mine. Right, it's your neighbor's. It's my neighbor's, and so he lets me use it and house it with the understanding that I will do his driveway as well. He's like an upper 70s early 80s uh, probably upper 70s guy okay. so you know it actually started off as kate and i just shoveling his driveway when we went out to shovel to be kind and he came out one day and he's like you know i've got an old snowblower how about i give that to you and you can just use it and then just make sure you do my driveway okay sure <laughs> but it, it is a beast i mean it is a it's better suited for like big snowfalls, and not it, like it's it's a gas powered. It is gas powered. Yes. Thankfully, what sort of though, what sort of maintenance do you do on that? Do, do you do you change like the carburetor and things? like oh, that? Oh, no, 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 no. We're talking like change the oil. OK, OK. And uh, I have to regularly put air in the tires like if they're not the plastic, they're like actual like small inflatable tires, not like, sure, you know, just sure. plastic stuff so but it's a beast to operate um thankfully though it does have a um an electric start feature where you plug it into the wall and you plug like you plug it a cord into the wall and so that helps start it which is nice nice but it, it's a bit of a beast so i don't look forward to using it I, i'm grateful to have it but it's not e easy to use I, you, you know, I have a small snowblower. Yes, you know, I'm aware. Yes. A small uh, battery powered, it can't be more than 20 pounds snowblower. And it's great for like the, I have two to four inches of snow 
yeah sort of level when we get the 10 to 15 inches of snow it it won't work yeah um and i just do it by hand which at, at that point it's just a a workout at that it point. is it is for sure for sure well if you'd like to get in touch with the show and tell us about your snow removal experience you can find us on twitter at vns pod email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail.com you can find us on facebook and on youtube and we would love for you to leave a five-star rating and a review on whatever platform you access the show ready to talk some sports john sure 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 so uh I mean, we're we're basically the only thing happening in college football right now is transfer portal craziness. Question for you. Yeah. When these when these when these youths enter the transfer portal and they still have a bowl game to go, do they play in that bowl game or do they not play in that bowl game? They do not. Okay. So a lot of these teams are gonna be missing guys, right? Because I mean so, yes. well, a lot a lot of people have entered this this portal. Yes. Yeah. So I think Ohio State has had 13 or 14. And Georgia has had like 14 or 15. Uh, and so, yeah, these these players don't end up playing in the bowl game. Part of it is just the, the nature of that. There's only a limited window as to when the transfer portal is open. And it's before the bowl games. So that seems silly. It, it's dumb, but it's the NCAA and they specialize in dumb, dumb. So it's huh. one, it, it has to be, it, I understand that there are more corrupt sports uh, agencies out there, but I don't know that there's a more incompetent one than the NCAA. Hmm. I, I'd be hard pressed to think of one that is worse run than the, than the NCAA. But uh, in any case, that would be a fun summer topic. Which is the worst run sports league? You know, you know, maybe the NCAA is its own thing. Yeah. Uh, and and then you go, you know, MLB, NFL, NBA. Um, and we, we would, try to rank them. That would appeal to a certain demographic in our audience, but not well, another part of our audience. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> that might that might be a a sports segment conversation as opposed to a main topic one maybe around the all-star break this summer when we're struggling for sports topics there you go yeah and when there's not enough cricket news to carry us so um all right john i know you've been so looking forward to talking about this but tell us about your jets yeah um they just can't seem to figure out the dolphins it was it was a bad game uh um, I think in the first quarter, Zach Wilson was pressured 10 times or some, something ridiculous like that. Uh, and, uh, and, and ultimately got knocked out of the game with, which at first it was reported that he was dehydrated and was knocked out of the game. And that, which is, is not knocked out of the game by the way, but, um, <laughs> and then it was reported, well, he has a wrist injury and then it was, well, it's his head but not a concussion. And then by like the fourth quarter it was like Zach Wilson has a concussion. <laughs> like what a terrible rollout of information uh, from the Jets locker room. What a miserable but, mess. But who is that on? That's not on the medical staff, is it? 
No, that's probably in the PR staff or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Okay. You could just say he's out. Well, but in the NFL, aren't there rules about you have Head to disclose that you have to disclose the nature of inju- injuries in college football? You don't. Maybe. Um, maybe. Do you have to disclose like in, in the moment what the injury is? Like that. That would be my question. I know in like the injury report you would. Yeah. But um, I, don't know. I imagine in the moment you don't have to. I mean, you could have called it an upper body injury. Um, yeah. And and left. Uh, that's what hockey does. I remember hockey was always just like, yeah, so and so has a lower body injury, and <laughs> whatever that means, you know. Yeah. Thanks for narrowing it down. You cut it in half. Well done. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's it's just a a disappointing season. Um. I think a lot of it lands on the coaching staff and the GM for not putting together a great offensive line, albeit injuries. But injuries mm-hmm. happen to everybody. Um, and you know, a team that I compare them to are, are, they're similar to the Browns, right? Uh, The Browns and the Jets both have great defenses. Mm -hmm. Uh, both lost their quarterbacks and, uh, one has been able to stitch together wins and one has not. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that fall and they both had a ton of injuries to their offensive line and the Browns have been able to put together, uh, W's like yesterday. Yeah, albeit barely, albeit barely putting together a win yesterday, nearly lost to the Bears. Yes, yes, um, yeah. There's a game where they, you could make the case they probably should have lost um, a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it feels like that this happens a decent bit to the Bears. They get in games, they're close, and then something happens where they make a mistake or just don't have a play go their way. I mean. Um, early anything... in the game, there was a, there was a big drop, um, oh, huge fields rolls out. And I don't know, as our wide receiver had three yards on the D back or something like Easily. that. And, and, uh, just, it just bounced off his hands. Yeah. And... It, there, there was, you could not have placed the ball any better if you were standing next to him and, and, and it just, he just dropped it. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know what to make of the bears. I, I think, see, I'm kind of torn. I, I want Justin Fields to do well. And so part of me just wants the Bears to move on and for for Justin Fields to go somewhere else where he'll have a chance to actually be developed and uh, play with some better wide receivers and see what he can do. Because mm-hmm. the Bears have been historically terrible at developing quarterbacks. It is a quarterback graveyard. And so, you know, it it's not even just this current coaching staff. There's just something systemic in the organization that doesn't know how to draft and develop quarterbacks. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, but shout out to the Browns nine and five. Shocking. Despite making, uh, one of the worst trades in NFL history for Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Like th- that one is going to go down as one of the worst trades that uh, that's happened in the NFL ever. Oh yeah. Based on all that they gave up to get Deshaun Watson, a guy who has played what 
five, six games for him this year and had to and, miss last year because uh, most of last year because of a, what was like a 10 game suspension. Yeah. And even when he's played, he has, a, he's been mediocre at, yeah. at best. He hasn't been great. No. Um, so I, I would love to see the bears send uh, Justin Fields to the jets and have him back up Aaron Rodgers for a year. And then he can take, take the reins. I like that idea. I, I, th- I think that sounds wonderful. Got to be better than Mormonville. Yeah. I mean, he uh, he's definitely um, he'd be reunited with one of his uh, college receivers, Garrett Wilson. Yep, yep. And with the Jets draft pick, it's a good chance they get another Ohio State player. Sure. As much as you would hate that. <laughs> Look, I just want Ohio State guys to do well in the league. Uh, I don't. I don't hate the Jets. It's that too many Ohio State players have gone to the Jets and just kind of petered out, like not lived up to expectations. And so it's hard sometimes to know how much of that is the organization and how much of that is maybe the player was honestly overranked, over overrated. I don't know. Uh, by the way, Garrett Wilson was not targeted until the third quarter yesterday. Yeah, that seems like a, a problem. That's a that problem. seems like a good idea. I mean, I mean, why would you want to target your best uh, offensive player? Arguably, why would yeah. you want to get him the ball? That 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 that's crazy. Give him a screen pass. I mean, just just like yeah. snap Something. the ball and throw it to him. Yep. Yeah, for anyway. sure. Anyway, uh, and then uh, the Bills put it to the Cowboys yesterday. That was another yeah. Um, that was semi surprising. Yeah. Wonder if yeah, it's the, a little bit of a letdown from the Cowboys after beating the Eagles last week, you know? I, I don't know what to make of the Cowboys. Uh I do think the Bills have figured some things out. So I think that they're certainly they've turned a corner, I think, and they will I think by the time the postseason rolls around, they'll be uh a dangerous team. Uh if if they get there. I mean, I don't think they have a winning record yet. Uh I think they're I think they're are they not even now? They're eight and six. I'm wrong. I'm okay. Wrong. It was two weeks ago that they were 500. Yeah. They're, they're right in the mix there. I don't know if I, I can't remember if, you know, it's one of those, if the play, if the playoffs started today, would they be in? I, I can't remember. I think they're on the outside looking in still. Yeah. The Browns, Bengals and Colts would be in and the bills would be on the outside. I still really like the bills chances of moving into the playoffs with, uh, with how they're playing. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, they got a good have you, quarterback. Better than paid, any of those three teams. Yeah. Have you paid attention to the Knicks at all? Yes. Knicks are, I mean, they're off to a pretty good start. Um, they they're probably winning two games and then losing a game. Uh, that's that's they win a couple yeah. games, they lose a they lose a game, they win three games, they lose two games. That you know, that's sort of their their rhythm right now. I mean, Jalen Brunson had 50 points against uh the Suns the other day. Um and uh, and that was that was a very very good game. The Knicks right now are sitting in the sixth seed right now, so uh, that's that's where you want to be, you know, sixth seed and up uh, outside mm-hmm. of that play-in. Yep. So, I mean, overall, pretty pretty pleased with that for the start of the season. Okay. Still early. We'll very early. Happens. Yep. Uh, one of the bigger NBA stories, though, is um, arguably my least favorite player in the entire league. Draymond Green suspended indefinitely. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah, that was weird. I I saw that he was in some sort of altercation 
but it feels like you could say that every night. Um, well, this is definitely a cumulative sort of like, I mean, this was pretty egregious though. He, he, he took a very clear swing at a guy and hit him in the face. Um, and yeah, yeah. It's just the, cum the, uh, accumulation of, uh, a lot of things. And so basically the league is like, we're going to force you to get counseling and get, get your head right before we ever, we let you back. So that's why it's indefinite. It's not, it wasn't specified a number of games. I did get a push notification on my phone today that he has begun counseling. Can you imagine sitting in those counseling sessions with Draymond Green? Who do you hire for that? Who says counselor? <laughs> I don't know. And is it a biblical know. counselor? You I know? highly doubt that. <laughs> highly doubt that. Anyway, you ready to move on, John? Sure. All right. We are uh, wrapping up our Advent series today. We've been doing a series of um, episodes on different Old Testament uh, allusions and citations in the Nativity stories as a way of maybe shedding some new light on what's going on there. And so uh, today's text is not strictly, it's it's still in Matthew's you could call it the nativity account. Really, I, I think of those first two chapters in Matthew and the first two chapters in uh, in Luke as essentially the nativity stories. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're going to deal with one that is actually a pretty famous uh, example of a seemingly at first strange um, Old Testament citation in the New Testament— um, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 12 through 15, which at the end of it quotes Hosea 11, 1. And so uh, let's let's start. Uh, John, would you be willing to read Matthew 2, 12 through 15 for us, sir? Sure, sure. Starting in verse 12. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother uh, by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Okay, so this is actually taking place shortly, sometime after the birth of Jesus. Um, and you've got the wise men being warned. Um, though I have to, I have to think, surely they were suspicious of Herod to begin with. Um, but in any they case, are, they are wise men at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it would seem odd if they weren't a little suspicious about Herod's uh, motives in saying, yeah, go find the kid and then let me know where he is because I want to worship him too. Like, yeah, come on. <laughs> you know, just not the most believable story. Absolutely. And so um, eventually at some point, Herod realizes um, 
that he's been uh he he's been tricked but before that you've got this account here of an angel appearing to Joseph in a dream saying basically get out of town and head to Egypt because Herod's going to try to kill uh try to kill your kid and the the, the sort of the key um the, the key explanation given here is there at the end of verse 15. And it, what's noteworthy is it's it's introduced explicitly with a uh with a with fulfillment language. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. So this is no like indirect um indirect allusion here. This is a direct citation, and Matthew's drawing your attention to it by using this sort of introductory formula. Um, anything else from the context here of Matthew 1 and 2 that you want to highlight, John, before we jump back to look at what's going on in Hosea there? Um, why, so I, I don't know the answer to this. Why, why Egypt specifically? Like, why, why not uh, Tarsus? Why not... Rome, why not? Um, wh why specifically Egypt? Um, uh, obviously to fulfill this prophecy, mm -hmm. but why Why it, was there a large contingent of Jewish nationals there? Was like, what, what, why, any idea why specifically Egypt? Uh, I, I'd say setting aside for a minute the fulfillment of prophecy, but sure. Um, I would say two things. Well, one is proximity that. From Bethlehem, uh, probably one of the easiest places to get to safety would be Egypt. Okay, so just just shortness of trip, sort of sort of an idea. There's certainly that, but then there's also, I think, as you mentioned, there there was a sizable Jewish population, uh, especially in the city of Alexandria. Mm -hmm. So we don't know where in Egypt he went. So uh, you know, who knows. But it, it would have been feasible for for his family to essentially just kind of blend in, disappear, and uh, and kind of get lost in the crowd, so to speak. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think that's all the questions I have here. Sure. Uh, I will mention one other thing that's relevant to this particular citation is that, and I don't have time to necessarily walk us through this, but I think within the first several chapters of Matthew, one of the things that Matthew is doing is he is trying to show you how Jesus relives Israel's experiences, but obeys where Israel had failed as a nation. And this is really the, the earliest indicator of this, this particular text we're looking at today. But uh, it, it pops up several times more in chapters three and four. Um, you know, for example, in chapter three, you've got the baptism, uh, which kind of echoes Israel's passing through the waters at the Red Sea. You've got the temptation account in Matthew four. In the which, wilderness. In the yeah. wilderness, mm -hmm. which uh, is uh, in one sense structured in part, at least by not just the three temptations, but also Old Testament citations hmm. uh, that draw upon Israel's wandering in the wilderness and failing. And yet Jesus 
defeats the serpent in the wilderness here. And so, uh, and, and there are others as well. I, I, I've made this case uh, probably most clearly in, um, I think, in one of my chapters in uh, Making All Things New, the book I wrote with Ben Glad. Uh, but in any case, uh, that's relevant to understand here that this is that this Matthew 2 citation is part of this larger program that Matthew's trying to show us how Jesus is reliving Israel's experiences and obeying where Israel failed. In in broad strokes, broad strokes sort of way of those. So leaving yes. leaving uh um Canaan and coming down into Egypt, you yep. know, kind of kind of echoing their slavery there and then yep. and then coming up, um, yeah, passing being... through the waters of baptism, so yes. so so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Um and then even when you get into chapter four, this is one that's not as readily noticed, but in chapter four, uh, when Jesus is, um, when Jesus enters the land, there's even, I think there, a picture of he's entering the land and um, engaging in conquest by defeating evil powers and gaining followers. Hmm. Uh, but in any case, so that's the sort of the backdrop. Let's look at Hosea 11 uh, to see, because when you read Matthew 2, one of the things that you would expect, I think, is based on the way Matthew frames it. When you go back to, Ma uh, to, Isaiah, to Hosea 11, I think what you naturally would expect is something that sounds like a promise, right? Yeah, yeah. You expect it to be an explicit, like, Hey, announcement! This is going to happen in the future. Sort of. Correct. Sort of yeah, yeah. So, um, so why don't we uh, let's just read Hosea eleven. Uh, let's just, let's do one and two. I guess let's just do that. Okay. Uh, so Hosea chapter eleven verse one and two. Um, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. So that's just a snapshot. But really, so you go back to that and you look at that and you go, okay, so Matthew is quoting from Hosea 11.1. 1, the out of Egypt, I called my son. What's interesting, though, is that when you look at the first line, of Hosea 11.1. 1. It's when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. So the son in view in Hosea 11.1 1 is unambiguously Israel. Yep. There's no debate about that. And what's further noteworthy is that this is not a prediction as one would have expected. It's a statement of a historical fact. It's simply looking back to the Exodus and going, this happened. Yeah, yeah. And and the Exodus refers to Israel as God's son um, in, in in the original Exodus as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, in fact, uh, when you go back to Exodus chapter 4, when uh, 
God is explaining to Moses what he's supposed to do when he appears before Pharaoh. Um, these are some definitive words that uh, you get with um, God instructing Moses, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. He says in uh, Exodus 4, 22, uh, starting in verse 22, yes. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, <clears throat> thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go before, well, sorry, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. So the identification of Israel as God's son is not new, surprising, shocking. Um, every, you know, every Jewish person who heard Hosea 11, one would have been like, well, yeah, duh, of course. Yeah. Israel as a nation is God's son. So here's here's the question, though. How can Matthew look at a text in Hosea 11.1 1, that is a description of a historical event and say that that historical event finds its fulfillment in Jesus? A historical event about the nation of Israel. How does that historical event find its fulfillment in the person of Jesus. Well, um, <laughs> and I know you know the answer to this because <laughs> you've taken my, you took my New Testament theology class many moons ago. Yes, yes, and well, we've had a lot of conversations since then. <laughs> um, my, I mean, uh, the other thing I, we didn't necessarily get to this in Hosea, but uh, uh, the the second verse talks about nothing but about how they just simply fail. Yeah, how, how how they continually. The more I call them, the more they go away. Yeah, um, the more they rebel against me, and uh, you know, in a sense, uh, Jesus is going to be the the greater and perfect Israel that Israel failed to be. Yeah, fair, is that a fair assessment there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think this this is a this is a classic example of typology. Mm -hmm that the the key category here is son that what matthew is saying is is that yes israel was god's son um and although matthew doesn't make this point uh luke does at the end of his genealogy that adam was god's son so you have this this category of god's son and you have a disobedient son adam a disobedient son, Israel. And so now the question is, is there ever going to be an obedient son? And this is the beginning of that connection in Matthew's gospel that um, Jesus is going to obey where Israel failed. So in order to do that, he's reliving these experiences. And so the point of connection is it's based on typology that God designed the nation of Israel as well as Adam, that in their actions, 
that they would anticipate a later and greater son, one who would actually obey and fulfill the commission that both Adam and Israel had, and therefore that's part of what Matthew is helping us to see here when he pulls this quote from Hosea 11.1 1 and says, basically, that was anticipating Jesus coming out of Egypt. Israel's coming out of Egypt anticipates Jesus coming out of Egypt. Now, um, you, you mentioned Luke identifying that with Adam. Um, we mentioned earlier that uh, the temptation event is sort of reliving Israel's history in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. um, after that genealogy in Luke, uh, identifying uh, Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus and connecting Jesus to Adam, mm -hmm. there's also the temptation narrative that, that immediately comes after that. Correct. But that seems so much more focused on, as far as I could tell, Adam's temptation in the garden and not Israel's temptation, but the same event in Jesus's life. Um, is, that, is, is that, am I making that, fair statements here? That might be a little overstated. I think if you just had Matthew's account, you would see that as, oh, Jesus is obeying where the nation of Israel failed. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Luke puts the genealogy right in front of it, and that genealogy concludes with um, basically uh, son of Adam, son of God, identifying Adam as the son of God, as a son of God, then introduces the temptation narrative. I think that puts a, a sort of more Adam-like hue over the temptation narrative in Luke, even though Luke uses, I mean, the, the, the order of the uh, temptations is slightly different, but it's the same Old Testament quotes that are in there, right? Mm. And those are taken from Deuteronomy. Uh, two of them are taken from Deuteronomy 8. One of them is taken from Deuteronomy 6, both of which are talking about Israel's experiences in the wilderness mm. and failing. So it's sort of, I see the Luke one as more of a, more of okay. a uh, both and, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, um, but yeah, so e even this quote here in um, in Matthew 2 from Hosea 11 is, is setting you up to understand Jesus as God's son, as the obedient son, the one who obeys where Israel failed. Um, and that's, I think, one of the main reasons why you have Matthew doing this, introducing this category here, because it's so important for the rest of his gospel account. But um, that's not where the theme ends in one sense of sonship. And that's part of what's beautiful about this text is it doesn't just stop with Jesus. It's not like, oh, good. God's ultimate son, Jesus, comes on, comes along and, and that's it. Because this gets extended on to believers mm -hmm. later on in scripture. Um, for example, if you look in Galatians 4... Not surprising we end up in Galatians if you're uh, <laughs> talking with me, but, um, you know, Galatians 4 is, uh, I think, a well-known text that really makes this connection explicit. Um, Galatians 4, get there here. Do you have it? I sure do. Which verse? Uh, we're going to read verses uh, 4 through 7. Okay, Galatians 4, 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, 
born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Yeah, so that's part of the beauty of of this theme of sonship that that runs throughout the scriptures is that all who are identified with Jesus then are adopted as sons into his family um, and get to share in his inheritance. And part of what's beautiful about that as well is that we are considered obedient sons, not because of our own actions, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Hmm. And even just that language of, of uh, that God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. So it, it's not even, you, you could look at that potentially and go, oh, that's just a very kind of legal kind of terminology, right? Hmm. Adoption, inheritance, that's all legal language, especially in the first century world. Sure. The sending the spirit of his son into our hearts, there's nothing legal about that in the sense of like just pure, you know, judicial terminology. That's intimacy, that's closeness, that's fellowship. Um, and that gets at the at the beauty of uh, part of the beauty of the gospel. And that's one of the reasons why um J.I. Packer used to love to say that adoption is the ultimate blessing of the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's because it, you know God could have just declared us not guilty of our sins, justification, and then sure. just said, "Okay, you're free to go." But he adopts us into his family. There's a sense of familial identity that comes with that, that goes way beyond uh, just being acquitted in a court of law, as central and foundational as that is. Anything else? Uh, you want to hit on on this sonship theme connecting back to Matthew 2? I, I don't think so. This is putting in my mind, though, um, and this is maybe a conversation for another time, uh, a podcast series through um, tra- tracing Jesus and Israel, sort of, sort of Jesus reliving some of those footsteps would be an interesting uh, series to work through, but that's for another time. There you go. Yeah, let's... Uh... Let's put that on the uh, on discussion. The yeah, yeah. We'll see where that goes. All right, John, time now for This Day in Sports History. All right, uh, This Day in Sports History, December 19th. We are crawling to Christmas here. We only have one more episode after this in the year 2023. That's, That's wild. It. All right, That's December 19th. December 19th, 1984. Scotty Bowman wins his 691st regular season game, the most wins by any coach in NHL history. We don't get a lot of NHL references on here, so we thought it we don't out, outside of Wayne Gretzky, and I think we had one Mario the Mew. I want to could say. have been. I'm sure. There's some. By the way, uh, there's some great hockey names that are out there. Um, the Rangers had a wing called Adam Graves. Yeah, uh, there was a defenseman for the Rangers in the '90s called Buka Boom, uh, one of my favorite named athletes of all time. Anyway, uh, 1986, uh, uh, Michael Sergio, 
who parachuted in the Shea Stadium during Game 6 of the World Series, was sentenced to 100 hours of community service and fined $500. Have you heard of this? Obviously, you weren't alive, but... Worth it. Absolutely worth it. Yeah. I... I uh, There's a... Uh, the 30 for 30 um, on the 86 Mets. I can't remember the specific name of it, but uh, real they they show this video and talk about it. Hilarious. They talk about a lot of things um, <laughs> in the 86 Mets. Yeah. Uh, 2000, Ballon de Or, I think I'm getting that right, uh, Real Madrid's Portuguese midfielder, Luis Figo, uh, is named best football player in Europe ahead of Juventus midfielder uh, Zidane Zidane and Milan <laughs> striker Andrio uh, Shevenko. <laughs> Close. Uh, I think Z- I did better than I anticipated stepping into that sentence. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Zinedine Zidane, I think. Zinedine Zidane. He was the... Uh, the French guy that foreheaded somebody in the chest in the World yes. Cup in 2000 yes. was that 2010? Uh, so yeah, something around there. And then uh, Andre maybe Shevchenko, I think. Yeah, yeah, some great names there. Yeah, uh, 2006. That previous one, I'm not even quite sure what happened there. Um, just a string of names. But uh, 2006, uh, the 76ers trade Allen, traded Allen Iverson to the Nuggets for Andre Miller, Joe Smith, and future draft picks uh, Daquan Cook and uh, Pateri Kopenin. I'm not familiar with him. Uh, the trade came two weeks after AI uh, demanded a trade and one day after Mello was suspended for 15 games for the Knicks brawl. Do you remember that, the the brawl? I don't remember... I don't remember the brawl. No, I don't either. I don't either. No, I don't. I don't remember that. It's um, 2006. You would have been what? Like 16, 18, 18, 18. 18. That was the year I graduated high school. Um, 2010 miracle at the Meadowlands. At the new Meadowlands. At the new Meadowlands. Excuse me. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles trail the Giants by 21 points with eight minutes to play before scoring four touchdowns in the final seven minutes, including a dramatic walk-off punt return for a touchdown by Deshaun Jackson. I remember that. I do too. And the insanity of... Punting to Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, just kicked the ball out of bounds, dude. (laughs) He was so good. At his prime, he was so good. He Uh, was amazing, yeah. 2018, Houston Rockets set NBA single-game record with 26 three-pointers in a 136-118 victory over the Washington Wizards. Eight players hit from deep as the Rockets shoot 26 of 55. Uh, James Harden uh, leads charge shooting 6 of 11 on threes. 26 made three-pointers. That's a lot of three-pointers. 55 is a lot to take, though. Yeah, but I mean, if you shoot 47%, from three-point range? You should keep shooting. You should keep shooting, yes. Yes. Agreed. Uh, who do you like? Oh, goodness. Um, I, ah, man. I don't want to go with the Rockets. 
not a not a not a soccer guy, so we can probably skip the. Uh... Yeah, that one's in there for the names. We all know that. Yep. So I could go with Deshaun Watson, Allen Iverson, or um. You mean Deshaun Jackson? Who did I say? Deshaun Watson. You said Watson. Yeah. Sorry, Deshaun Jackson. Browns on the brain. There mm-hmm. you go, uh, Allen Iverson. Or I could go, I could go with Michael Sergio. Um, I'm. As much as I like Michael Sergio, I I think four touchdowns in seven minutes is pretty impressive. Okay, so we're gonna go the uh, the, the miracle at the New Meadowlands. Yeah, yeah. All right. One thing you liked. Uh, Black Friday this year, I purchased a lifetime subscription to Dwell Bible Audio at hey, a discounted there you go. price. So I have been enjoying the lovely tones of uh, readers. The, the readers over there dwell Bible. Do you have a favorite? Uh, I, I've been mixing it up. I haven't landed on anybody yet. So right now I'm with Rosie in the UK. Um, okay. Re- reading to me. I definitely like the non-American accents. So my wife's favorite is Felix. Felix? Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to check it out. It's, uh, it's an African uh, accent. South African, I assume. Uh, yeah. Well, it's it is an African who sounds British, obviously, since there was so much British. You know, sure. There's plenty of African countries you go, and it sounds like they're British because of the way they they speak English. But yeah, m- most of the English speaking world outside of the United States. Let's be let's be quite real. Probs, probs. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, the 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 festive Harmon Christmas celebration we had this weekend at uh, at our house. Any unique traditions take place? Any? Um, let's see. You know, we don't have any specific like unique traditions. I wouldn't say. Um, though one one tradition that uh, that that uh, Jake's girlfriend Autumn has now, I think managed to squeeze into our family is uh is clapping now after gifts <laughs> yes so i um, like it that's fun uh I, I was not as big a fan though my my mother was a big fan of this and so she she really was, was a was an early ad- adopter of this so yes that's fascinating <laughs> absolutely fascinating yes huh. but great to have john come up as well and it was just a, a very festive day. My wife did an amazing job. She did all the cooking, had a big ham, cheesy potato casserole, green beans, apple crisp, chocolate dessert. I love and I think it. I mentioned to you our uh, our British basement dweller for Christmas got us this massive basket. Did I mention this? No, I don't think so. So it's this like huge basket of what started off as, he said... Well, I'm going to give you guys a British Christmas. So like different, a, like some, short, some... shortbreads and other things that like are kind of traditional British Christmas stuff, including some uh, beverages as well. And then he's like, and then I just realized, well, why just limit it to being a British Christmas when I can make it a European Christmas? And so he's just, it, it is a massive basket of all sorts of stuff. And so been we uh dipped into that as well 
I've now I know you're talking about food and this is outside the realm of food, but I have always wanted to get to a German Christmas market. Yeah. Um, that that's on the bucket list to, to get to Heidelberg and get yeah. to the Christmas. I hear the Christmas market in Heidelberg is, is tops. Well, maybe next year you need to convince the whole slope family just to, to make that the Christmas thing. I, I love that idea. Um, <laughs> There you go. And that is my one thing I liked. All right, John, we have talked the disappointment that is the New York football Jets. We have talked about Jesus as God's son being called out of Egypt. Hosea 11.1 quoted in Matthew 2.15. We have talked about the miracle at the new Meadowlands with the Eagles scoring four touchdowns in the last seven minutes. We've talked about John's favorite voices on the Dwell Bible app, and we've yep. talked about a Harmon family Christmas. And so I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. So all that's left to say is Merry Christmas, and the Lord bless y'all real good. Later! Later!